Yeah, this is my life. I'm done trying to convince people I'm real. Welcome to the Road to the Olympic Trials podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and in this podcast, we take an insider's look into the training and racing of some of America's best marathoners and runners as they prepare for the Olympic Trials, both the Marathon Olympic Trials in February and the track trials in June. And in this episode, we talk to Lou Serafini. Lou is back, and I'll tell you what, it was great catching up with him. He's doing really well. He had, you know, a varied experience this winter. He's back at it. He's kicking butt. He's kind of a, kind of a similar winter as Roberta Groner. If you haven't listened to Roberta's episode, it came out last week, and it was really good. And I think Lou has had kind of a similar winter journey as Roberta with a little bit different he had uh, the club cross race in December, which that race was crazy, man. It was a crazy, crazy race. And we talk a little bit about that in this episode as well. And basically, we talk all things Olympic trials. Lou's feeling good, and he was excited to talk about it, which is always fun and enjoyable to do. Before we get into it, let's talk about V.02. This is a coaching platform for runners of all levels, including the science and formulas of legendary coach, Dr. Jack Daniels. I love looking up Dr. Jack Daniels videos on YouTube and following along this guy. Gosh, does he know his stuff? It's just so, so true. So coaches from all over the world are using V.02 to more effectively individualize the training plans of their athletes. And they do that by pinpointing exactly the paces that they need by using a current race result and basically building out from that. So it sets up your interval pace, your repetition pace, your threshold pace, your marathon pace, so on and so forth. So it aligns with your current fitness, which is very important, not your wishful fitness or your goal fitness, uh, which while we all have goals, but we should probably be training at our current fitness. In addition, over 45 athletes have qualified for the Olympic trials in the marathon with their coach on V.02. So to take advantage of that, go to V.02. Dot com. That's V-D-O-T-O-2.com. Coaches get a free 30-day trial. And athletes, if you don't have a coach but you want to use the platform, use code RAMBLING to get 15% off a custom training plan for your next goal race. Now, without further ado, here is my podcast with Lou Serafini. Hello, Lou, and welcome back to the show. Hey, Matt. Uh, glad to be back. Excited to chat. I'm excited to chat too. We're recording this on February 5th. We're three and a half weeks out. Can you believe it? No, <laughs> no, it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, yeah, can't believe it. It is wild. No, it's been a while since we spoke, and you've kind of gone through the same cycle that a lot of people have um, that raced a, uh, a fall marathon. So you ran New York, came off of that, and now you've kind of been in that awkward situation of trying to recover, yet also trying to train for this huge race that everyone is really excited for. So what did that process look like for you in uh, November and early December? Um, yeah, I've never, I, I think it, it was really the first time I've, I've like jumped immediately back into marathon training before. I've, I've never had to do that before. Um, so we tried to be really conservative after New York and, and just really took some downtime. And then, um, I would say maybe the last week of November. So I took all, almost the whole month of November, just like chilling and running. And then, the, um, 
the last week of November, we we kind of started to slowly ramp up. But even even like the first couple weeks, like you know, it was no serious workouts or anything like that, and and just kind of like slowly adding mileage back. And uh, the ramp didn't really start until like the holiday season. Uh, but what was interesting. Um, and what has me, you know, ha- had me kind of nervous, but now has me kind of excited was um, my coach was just like very conservative about workouts early on. Um, so like even when I had my mi- started to get my mileage up to 100, 110 miles a week, um, we had some weeks where we just, you know, weren't really working out. Um, and when we did, it was like, you know, just like a light progression run or a pickup at the end of a run. Um, so I didn't really start like consistently working out until January. Um, so I've kind of been, I don't want to use the expression chasing fitness, but, um, that's kind of almost what it's felt like. And, and now I'm starting to hit the point where I'm, I'm really starting to feel all the fitness come and, um, I'm starting to get pretty excited. Now is the thinking behind that, that you basically, because you had, you know, so two back-to-back marathon buildups that you had just a lot of lifetime fitness in you that, that you didn't necessarily have to start, you know, killing it really early on in the marathon process this time? Yeah, I think a little bit of that, um, you know, muscle memory is like a a great thing. Um, My coach definitely tends to be on the conservative side, even though, you know, we're up running lots of mileage and doing some pretty fast workouts. Um, And I think he just wanted to make sure that I had some time to chill. Um, You know, I raced two half marathons hard last spring, and then a marathon. And then I raced um, a bunch of road races last fall, and then a marathon. And I think he just, even though we were jumping back into it, I think he he really understands that the body needs uh, mental and physical rest, no matter what. So, um, I, I had intended to run Houston in January, um, and he pretty quickly kind of put his foot down on that and, and was like, mm, not not sure that that's a great idea because um, he, he just really didn't want to rush things. Um, and looking back, I'm, I'm really glad that we did that because I had had some tough weeks in December, January, where I was just like struggling for motivation and struggling to get out the door. Um, but now that we're you know in crunch time, I'm starting to feel really good about it. So what was it like hopping into Club Cross on December 17th, considering all the things that you said, you know, that day in the Eastern PA was an absolute mess. It was such a muddy race. It was kind of fun to see all the pictures. I'm sure a little less fun to actually be the ones, you know, you know, basically soaked in all of the mud and sweat and so on <laughs> and so forth. So what was that race like for you, considering where it fell in your own um, calendar and, and race prep? <laughs> yeah, uh, it was so hard. Um, <laughs> and I, I knew it was going to be hard going into it. I, I was actually really surprised that my coach like didn't push back on that at all. You know, I was like, oh, like my team's going down to Club Cross to, to race a 10K. And like usually he, he would state the obvious and be like, oh, you've been training for two weeks and have done no workouts. Like, do you really think that's a good idea? Um but instead, he was just kind of like, "Yep, yeah, go have fun, like whatever." Um, and yeah, it was it was a mud fest. Like there was just like nothing left in the tank the last two miles. Um, there was like a point in the race where, well, there's there a couple points where like I was like, "Okay, like I still have some residual marathon fitness. Like even though I don't feel sharp right now, like maybe I'll move up in the second half and pass some people." Um, but um, 
but yeah, and then there was a point in the race where we like kind of hit the five mile mark and I just had nothing left in the tank. I, I thought I was starting to pick up some steam and pick some people off, but like the wind picked up and the rain picked up and like everything just started to get even more um, brutal and uh, and yeah, it, it was a grind. But we had we had 45 people on our team make the trip down to PA, which was really cool um, and kind of unexpected. Uh, that we were going to have that many people. So we had an A team, a B team, and a C team for the men and for the women, which is which is pretty awesome. So um, so it was just kind of more being about there for the team. Our men finished, I think we were sixth. So just one spot out of the money, which was like our highest finish ever. And it was the, only the third year we've even gone and done the race. So, um, so yeah, it was more just about getting the team together and going down and, and having some fun. So, But it, it was... I would not recommend <laughs> doing a 10k mud mud cross country race after after three weeks off. Not not fun. And if someone's listening to this podcast and hasn't heard your previous episodes, you work at Tracksmith. That is also the club that you run with. So obviously, for you, it's like that like that cross pollination of like wow, like that sort of team success must be fulfilling for you on a lot of different levels. Yeah, it definitely is. It's, I mean, the, we, so for people that don't know, we have like a, a racing team here that I started. So just like, you know, a regular USATF affiliated running club, um, that Tracksmith, you know, just kind of like sponsors. And, uh, that's my point of pride. Cause we, we, we grew it from nothing. Um, you know, from 15 members the first year to 40 members the second year to now we're up over a hundred people on our team. Um, so yeah, going down to cross and, and just like having huge crews was awesome. And now we're, now that we're getting fast, I have to like make sure I show up with like my A game. Um, cause even at club cross, the, uh, Ryan Smith, who's going to trials as well. He's, he's based, he's based in new England also. And he joined our team. Uh, and he was breathing down my neck with like a mile to go at club cross. Cause he was feeling, he was peaking for that race. So I had to just like give everything I had to hold him off. But, uh, but it's going to get to the point pretty soon, I think where I'm not going to be able to be our first runner in every race. Cause, um, we just keep getting faster and faster. So now when you run in a race like that, where it's so mud filled, does it affect you, especially like in the feet and lower legs a little differently than even a more traditional cross country course would or a specific, and especially if you were kind of comparing it to a road race? Oh yeah. I, I've never felt like I'm a, a great runner when I don't have my footing underneath me. But like for those people that weren't there or haven't seen pictures, like people were literally running like side to side to try to find the best footing and the best path. But like, you just can't find a rhythm when you're running like that. Every step is uneven and uncomfortable. Um, I still have no idea how Morgan Pearson ran under 30 minutes on that course. Uh, truly like remarkable to me. Uh, maybe he had the right idea, just like breaking away and, and having like open ground to run on and not having to like follow a stampede of runners going through the mud. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's tough. I, I love cross country. Um, but going out and running on a course like that is, is definitely not easy. So, um, but it's cool to try new things and change it up, you know, like, um, I, I get bored doing road races, uh, week in, week out. So it's, it's fun to go hop on a cross country course or hop on the track and change it up and keep things exciting. Yeah. And especially when you can do it with your friends, that, that certainly kind of amplifies the fun for sure. And, and when you dove back into 
a little bit more full-time with the workouts in January and things like that. You also started picking up some races. You had a race last weekend um, and things like that. So once you started getting into the workouts, how have you felt not only kind of getting the rust off, but kind of comparing your current fitness to what you've had in the past at other races? Mm, um, pretty good. Uh, it's, it's tough to say. So um, I've had a, a couple really good staple workouts that kind of like have shown that the fitness is there. Um, we did one workout that is kind of a regular session where we'll do 12 by a quarter, um, with only a hundred jog rest. So it ends up being about 35 seconds rest. And usually I'll average like 66 for a workout like that. It ends up averaging out to like 5k pace. Um, but we averaged uh, like 64 and closed pretty hard for that workout, so that was good. And then, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's been it's been interesting because I've I've been trying to like piece together a small track season as well. So a lot of my workouts have been a little bit faster, even though the volume's been there. Um, but I'm but I'm feeling good about it. I, I did 800 meter repeats pretty pretty quick a couple weeks ago, and like a Michigan type workout um, last week that I think gave me the most confidence and the most like reassurance that, um, that the fitness is there. There've definitely been some, like some moments of like self doubt in this training block, which I'm, I'm not used to. Like I'm, I'm a pretty like confident racer and runner, I would say. Um, and since, since I have not raced that much, um, you know, I kind of feel like I lost the racing edge a little bit. Um, and it, I know it takes a couple to get it back, but, but when you lose the racing edge and, and you don't really know what kind of shape you're in, you, you start to lose the confidence a little bit too. But, um, I had a really good race last weekend and a really good workout last week where I was able to close like a six plus mile workout with a, a four seventeen mile, like negative split. And that's about as fast as I've ever done a mile on the track. So, um, in a workout. So, so yeah, I'm feeling really good about things. Like the mileage is there pretty much all that's left to do now is I've got, um, my, my last big long, long run this weekend and I'll keep sharpening and, and doing some good, uh, hard interval sessions and just hope that it's there on race day. I want to take a quick break to talk about our sponsor, Inside Tracker. Listen, when it comes to diet and nutrition, it seems like there are a million voices in the wilderness all just screaming out. It's hard to understand what to think about nearly any kind of food. And that's why personalized nutrition can be so helpful and valuable. And the key to doing that is getting your blood work done, seeing where you are on a biomarker scale, and you can optimize exactly what your body needs. And that's exactly what Inside Tracker does. They track up to 43 different biomarkers. They've optimized zones specifically designed for you. And also, they have science-backed recommendations for different ways where you can improve different markers and your levels. So give Inside Tracker a try. It's such a valuable resource. Listen, all the top athletes in the world, they get their blood work done and they have professionals taking a look at it to make sure that they're on the right path. Shouldn't you be able to do the same thing? So use code RAMBLINGRUNNER to save 10% on Inside Tracker today. So... If you were to compare this buildup to New York, 
What would you say in terms of kind of comparing your marathon paced, use um, your marathon, your marathon paced miles or marathon effort miles, you know, this, this buildup compared to last buildup? Um, it's so hard to say. Um, I know that it's not a clear answer. So I, I think for New York, like, since it's like the fall and there's a lot more like longer road races that I can like train for and focus on, it was a lot easier to kind of like, um, focus my workouts, uh, on marathon stuff. So we just, we did a lot of like fartlek runs and tempo runs and stuff like that. Um, but for whatever, for whatever reason, this indoor season, my, my coaches like wanted me to do a short track season. So, uh, the workouts have been different. Um, which, you know, can be a little unnerving, I think, for some people. You know, runners are creatures that want to do the same thing over and over again and, and um, want to, you know, improve on their splits and make sure they're seeing a positive progression and trend uh, or negative, I guess, if you're talking about time. But, uh, but, yeah, we've been like – I mean, I did a 3K on the track, which didn't go too well, but then had a really good five-miler last week, and I'm, I'm planning to do a 5K two weeks out. Um, and I think I'm in PR 5k shape. Um, I think, I think I'm ready to go run close to 1340, which would be really cool. Um, so it's, it's really tough to say, you know, I know that the fitness is there because I've, I've gone out and done 20 plus mile long runs at, you know, 530, 540 pace and they've, they felt comfortable and controlled. Um, I think if I had to compare it to New York, I would say that my speed is in a better place than um, than it was for New York. I'm definitely feeling healthier than I was. Like my, I've had no issues with my knee um, this time around, which is really exciting. And uh, I think the biggest question mark for me is like how I'm going to handle, um, you know, the later stages of the race. Um, just because we haven't gone out and done like any like you know hour long fartlek runs or long hard tempo runs, but. I think I've made up for that in, in some of the hard efforts that I've done on the track this indoor season. And, um, and like you said at the beginning, I think, you know, those miles are always in your legs and, um, you know, we'll, we'll go find out on race day. I was actually going and looking today, um, uh, cause I did a 50, I do a, a midweek, uh, long run. So usually I'll do like a 15 or 16 miler on Wednesday morning and then I'll go out and do you know, 20 to 24 on the weekend, depending on the week. And one of the first things that my coach ever told me three years ago was like, if you go out and do that every single week, you're going to get on the starting line of your marathon and you're going to have over 20 runs that you can look back on in a, you know, 12 to 15 week training cycle where you went over 15 miles, um, you know, where you went over an hour and 45 minutes of running. And at the end of the day, the marathon is only you know, hopefully two hours and 15 minutes. So, or two hours and 10 minutes or whatever it is. So I know it's going to be there. Uh, I know my legs will be ready for it. Um, so I'm hoping going into trials, the speed is a little bit better and that, that pace will just feel a little more comfortable. And obviously training with those faster paces, you know, it strengthens your legs in a certain way. How would you say that that compares to like, again, doing say more, more threshold tempo, you know, half marathon pace work, how would you compare and contrast just the just the kind of, um, I guess, how your legs feel when they're calibrated in each direction, and the, the kind of strength that you feel like is being honed um, for you know kind of the, for that goal race at the end of the that training cycle? Um, well, it's a tough one. Um, 
You know, I, I think I think speed gets neglected a lot in marathon training. I think you know the best the best runners go out and, and they make sure they take care of it. But I think it's really easy to get aerobically fit. You know, like anyone can go out barring injury and run 120, 130 miles a week and do these long, hard tempo interval sessions. And I think, you know, a lot of times when you train that way, you, you, you risk not being able to like hit that top speed that you're capable of. Um, I've been that person before where I've just felt like, you know, an aerobic monster and I could, you know, run for 30 miles at 520 pace if I wanted to, and and my body would be able to hold up and and be fine. Um, but when you get in that kind of fitness, you, you know, you feel, you can feel flat. Um, you can feel like, you know, you, maybe you can't run faster than 510 a mile. And, um, the cool thing about, you know, incorporating all these speed workouts and calibrating your legs that way is, um, when you go into the marathon, instead of feeling like you're pressing, you, you know, you just feel like you're holding back. Um, you know, you, everything feels slow. Um, and that, that's kind of the goal, I think, uh, from going out and doing like, you know, mile repeats at 430 pace or, um, you know, 1000s at, you know, two, 244 or whatever it is. Like, um, you know, if you can train your body to like go fast comfortably, uh, when you back off the pace to try to run 505, 510, it, it's going to feel, feel really easy. So, um, so that's, that's kind of the goal. Um, I've definitely, um, been able to run times in the like 10 K half marathon, like that are way faster than I ever thought I was going to be able to run. And I think a big reason is because we've like really, really focused on doing speed work the past couple of years. So. And it's really exciting to be like, Hey, three weeks out from a marathon, you might be setting a 5k PR. I mean, like what, like that is an awesome thing. You don't hear that very often. And it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Cause I mean, it's not as if you're neglecting marathon work, you're obviously putting in a ton of miles, but that's also something that you don't hear a lot of people say. So I can't wait to see how it, how it bears out. And at the same time, if you were not running the Atlanta course, if you were just <laughs> going to be running on February 29th, a fairly typical course, in normal weather conditions what kind of shape do you think you'd be in like what time what what marathon time range do you think you'd fall within i think um i think 211 to 212 i i I do um you know if it was a great day and and lots of people to run with like it's going to be at trials i think i could go get comfortable and and cruise and like i definitely after the past couple of weeks, I'm starting to feel like I am at least in the shape that I was in for New York, which is exciting. Um, and if not a little bit better, so, you know, you figure two sixteen on a hilly New York course with a couple of hiccups in the last couple of miles was probably in two thirteen, two fourteen shape on the day. And then, you know, on a faster course, maybe two twelve, two eleven. So I think I still, I still think in that range. Um, but I try not to like overthink the times and stuff, especially since I'm not going to get the opportunity to go run that fast. Cause like you said, in the Atlanta course, everything that I've heard is that it's going to be really tough. So. Yeah. I interviewed Roberta Groner last night who went down there and reconnoitered the course uh, for a couple of days. And, and it was interesting talking to her about it. Cause she was basically saying like, you know, the Hills aren't crazy, but they're just, they're just constant. You know, there's just no flat ground and talking about and talking about that. And when you think about race strategy and how you want to plan the race out and you, know, you try to run through different 
you know, basically the decision tree of like, if this happens, then I will do X or if that happens, I will do Y. Where are you and your coach Pat in the kind of that race strategy process of not only thinking about the course, but the people that you may be running with or keying off of? Yeah, I haven't taught uh, Rand- Randy, by the way. Um, Pat's fine. Oh, shoot. Mine. Oh, no. Randy. <laughs> no, you're, you're good. You're good. He won't listen to this. There's zero chance. Um, <laughs> I don't even know if he knows what a podcast is. <laughs> um, uh, Pat's my Pat's my training partner uh, who's who's trying to break four in a couple weeks at Valentine and, and maybe last chance. So that's been kind of cool too, following that process with him because we're we're on the, we're not really syncing up for that many workouts at this point. But it's been cool to watch him rip some four hundreds and I, it's taken me back to two years ago when I was trying to do the same thing. But um, but anyway, yeah, Randy and I haven't we haven't talked about it. Um, I know what I'm kind of thinking in my own head. Um, and, uh, I am just like really trying to hold to that. I'm going to let people go at this one and just try to run a super conservative race. I, I remember being at trials in 2016 and thinking I'm in the shape of my life. It's a flat, fast course. Um, there are more in shape, fast people uh, in this race than I'll probably ever be in, like on the starting line at the same time. Like this is like the ultimate opportunity to like go have the race of my life. Um, this one's a little different because obviously I don't think people are going into it expecting to run a big PR, but I, I think people are still going to go out and, and run aggressively knowing that they're fit and knowing that there's so many fast people to run with. And, um, and I think that it's going to really negatively impact a lot of people's races, um, especially at the front. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting in the front pack. And I think there's a couple guys that are clear contenders. And then I think that there's another handful of 10 to 15 guys that are um, that are also contenders and, and think of themselves as people that can show up and make the team on a good day. And I think that they're going to go run the race like that. And I think that that's going to leave the door open um, for guys like me who who maybe hang back a little bit more and have a strong second half. Um, so that, that's what I'm telling myself that I'm going to do. Um, I think where I could see myself getting nervous is, um, you know, using that strategy and finding myself in like, you know, literally finding myself in like 75th place at the eight mile mark or something like that. Just like feeling like I'm way back really far uh, and not panicking and, and surging early and trying to move up through the pack. Um, I think for me, what it's going to be about is like just remaining patient, sticking to whatever the plan is, you know, whether it's, you know, 515s or 510s or 520s, whatever it is. And then just like really focusing on moving up throughout the race. And, um, you know, I think if I can do that, I, I know, like I said, I know I'm fit and I know I'm ready to run a really strong, fast marathon. I think I can, I think I can be passing a lot of people in the, in the second half. So that, that's kind of how I've been thinking about it. Um, and we'll, we'll see, you know, what Randy says, but, um, I'm all in on the, the finish strong strategy, <laughs> uh, and less so the, um, shoot my shot and, and, and go for it strategy. Um, and, uh, I think now it'll just be easier said than done, but executing on race day. And I, I think the sky's the limit for like how high up I could finish if I go out and I execute that strategy well. So, um, I still, I still feel like because of all the speed work I did, leading up to New York and all the speed work that I've done now that like, had I not like cramped up a little bit in New York that I could have run the last 
six miles at five minute pace or faster. Like I, I feel like that fitness is there. Um, you know, where I could, I can comfortably hold 440 to 445 pace for probably close to an hour. Um, and I think there's no reason why I can't hit the 20 mile mark or the 22 mile mark or whatever it is and flip the switch and start dropping for four fifty fives. And, and I think, you know, you pass a lot of people that way. Um, you know, if people are running five fifteens at that point, that's, that's 20 seconds a mile over four miles, you're, you're going to make up a lot of time. So. That makes a lot of sense. And what we saw in LA four years ago was the vast majority of guys just kind of hung together in one big group, kind of like, all right, you know, like this, these are the leaders and I'm going to stay with them for as long as I possibly can. And it was just a battle for most people of attrition. Obviously, Tyler made his move and then Jared came back. But for, you know, those top 15, to 20 guys, it was all kind of the same story, just a matter of, you know, who did it a little bit better than the other. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, like you said, someone be taking a different approach and not doing the, I'm going to shoot my shot. And if I blow up, I blow up. No big deal. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, I think for me, like, I think a lot of people are just going to have the mentality that it's like, this is the Olympic trials. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Like this is my chance to go and like, and like have a great race. And if, uh, if I blow up, I blow up. And I think, I think that's the mentality that I had in 2016 where I was just like, I I had not run, I'd run a 104 half, but I hadn't run faster than 227. And I just remember going into that race being like, I'm in 215 shape or 217 shape or whatever, and I'm just going to go for it. And if I don't hit that time, who cares? Like, at least I'm here and like, it's a great experience. And then I ended up not finishing, um, cause I just went out way too hard and, and it wasn't my day. Um, and I think it's going to be the same thing. I think a lot of people are going to be like, I, I am ready to go run with the leaders. And if I, if I blow up, then who cares? So like I went for it. But, um, for me, like this year, it's, it's not about like going for it. it it's about, I, I, I want to finish like high up in the, in the field and, and have a great rate an A plus race and a well executed race and, and, uh, and be able to walk away from it saying, you know, I, I ran a, a really smart, um, marathon and I was rewarded with a high place that, that those are kind of the goals. So I love it. Thanks for sharing that. And on previous episodes, we've talked a little food and beverage talk. I know a lot of people like that. So night before the race down there in Atlanta on Friday night, what are you going to be eating, uh, to get ready for that, for that, that epic race? Uh, I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to, I will say this. I'm going to think about it a lot more this year because I can't remember if I told this story before New York. Um, you can stop me if I did. But before New York, we like opted to not go to the New York Roadrunners dinner because um, my parents were in town and they wanted to like go get dinner. And so we we went to this place and I ended up eating like this like cream of mushroom pasta and it was like, oh, was like little, this is little. yeah it was <laughs> well I, I have a i have a strong a pretty strong stomach and like I, so i i try not to let that stuff phase me but yeah it ended up being like i would i ate like half of that because i didn't want to have too much cream and i had like a slice of pizza and uh and i think i had like a couple bites of salmon um so it was like the most like random and like it didn't, I was fine the next day. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, uh, I'm definitely going to think about it <laughs> a little bit more this time and scout it out. But, um, 
Yeah, I try to eat like a really simple diet um, just in general in my life um, so that when I get to race day uh, or whatever it is, uh, everything's easily digestible. I I can say with certainty, I know I'll probably before the race, since the race is at noon, I'll probably around like 9 or 8.30 or 9 have – like a couple pieces of toast and some eggs or something like that. Um, stuff that I know I have every single day, um, just to make sure I get something into my system. So, so you're not going to, you're not going to board the dairy train like you did for New York. I love that cream of mushroom soup and pizza. Oh my God. I'm so glad it didn't affect anything. Yeah, I was nervous about it. Um, it, uh, it was like a, it was like a pasta. That was their only pasta dish that, that, um, the restaurant had and it was like a special for the marathon and like this place like clearly like didn't know <laughs> what they were doing but uh but it was fine so it was all good okay let's talk the other end of the spectrum what's the what's the plan for post race oh post race we're um i will definitely be getting a beer uh or five um usually after after a marathon i've got pretty bad like uh stomach pain so it kind of depends on you know how i'm feeling but uh but tracksmith is down there we're, we're sponsoring some athletes for the race um so we're planning to have a viewing party um and an after party um we haven't like announced that location yet but i'll be i'll be hanging out there with everyone and um and celebrating uh hopefully a, a great day for for a lot of people That sounds like a great time. Lou, thank you for sharing this journey with me. I'll see you in Atlanta and best of luck to you. Thanks, Matt. I'll uh, I'll chat with you more soon and uh, good luck with the last couple of weeks. Lou, thank you so much for coming on the show. Watch out for Lou. He's going to be doing a bunch of stuff down to the Olympic trials in a couple weeks with Tracksmith, as we talk about here on the podcast a little bit. You know, he works at Tracksmith. He does a lot of stuff with community engagement, not only locally, but with runners all across the country. And they're going to be doing some pop-up stuff down in Atlanta. So be on the lookout if you haven't done so already about things that they're doing if you're going to be in town. Thank you so much for listening, rating, and reviewing the podcast if you haven't already done so. Also make sure you're subscribing to my other podcast, the Rambling Runner Podcast, where we talk to and about dedicated amateur runners. Thank you so much for listening and happy running. This has been a production of the Rambling Runner Podcast Network. Thank you to my producer, David Margetti from InPost Media. Also, thank you to Metapi for the music and his song, Evolution.